Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. So last week, our story ended with Fanor realizing that he needed to reach out to some of his fellow kinsmen, the Teleri, in order to, well, make use of their ships, mostly. That's really what he was looking for. He he had a, a large host of elves with him. He felt like he was ready for the trip. And convincing the Teleri to come with him wasn't really the plan. So let's go back. Uh, a quick reminder here. The Teleri are the third group of elves, the, the last ones to make it to Valinor. They're the ones who live near the ocean, where we are right now. And you can hear the creaking of the ship underneath me and the waves. And the scene went something like this. Fanor and the Noldor approached the Teleri and... Feanor did his best to sell them, to pitch the grievances of what had happened and why he needed the ships, where he was going. But he just couldn't sell them on this concept. They were not willing to listen. So long story short, Feanor decides that he's going to take the ships. He actually turns on his brethren because his drive and the vow that he made to get the Silmarils back, that's the, that's the only thing he really cares about here. And so he waits until the right time. And then he tries to take the ships by force. And the Teleri are not having this. They stand their ground, but the Noldor came prepared and with weapons. And eventually things broke down. There was no more communication. This is the first kinslaying of the elves. Elf on elf murder. Let's just call it what it is. The Teleri were not here to fight. They were just keeping a hold of what they thought was theirs by their right. But Fanor felt like maybe they had gotten word from the Valar. Maybe they were acting against him in order to slow him down. And the conflict did not go well at first for the Noldor. The Teleri held their ground until Fingen happens to show up with Fingolfin's host, this other group of Noldor who were slower to get to the coast. They arrive, and in the midst of this, they have to make a decision. And so they side with Feanor, and they swing the battle to the side of the Noldor. 
It says in the Silmarillion, Thus at last the Teleri were overcome, and a great part of their mariners that dwelt in Aquilande were wickedly slain, for the Noldor were become fierce and desperate. And the Teleri had less strength and were armed for the most part, but with slender bows. We know that the Noldor had weapons other than bows, metal weapons, swords, knives, axes. They weren't going to hold them back. It just wasn't going to happen. And so once the battle had subsided and the Teleri, or at least the remaining Teleri, they didn't kill all of them, but the remaining Teleri pulled back, they took their ships. The white, beautiful ships of the Teleri. They spilt elven blood in order to take ships so that Feanor could more quickly pursue Melkor. And we're going to go with that name from now on. Not Morgoth anymore. Melkor to Middle-earth. Now we have to paint the picture a little bit here. There are not enough ships for all of the elves in the Noldorian group to actually just get on the boats and cross the ocean. They still don't have enough room for everybody. And this gives you a sense of how large the host has grown at this point. This is a large group of people. This is Feanor's people, but it's also all of the people, all of those who would fall underneath the other houses that were following him, the houses of his brothers and his sons. And and even Galadriel, for example, was among this group. And they head north because they know that Melkor went north and crossed over the Helcaraxa. And with the use of the ships and the coastline, they're able to travel a little bit better than they would have otherwise. But this is a long, long trip. They're going a very far distance. You have to imagine they're moving from one continent to another continent. The distances here are very large. And the going is slow. And while they're out on the sea, moving up north along the coastline... Something very mysterious happens. It says here in the Silmarillion, there they beheld suddenly a dark figure standing high upon a rock that looked down upon the shore. Some say it was Mandos himself and no lesser herald of Manway. And they heard a loud voice, solemn and terrible, that bade them stand and give ear then all halted and stood still, and from end to end of the hosts of the Noldor, the voice was heard speaking the curse and prophecy, which is called the prophecy of the North and the doom of the Noldor. Now, this is a literary technique that Tolkien uses a lot. These prophecies of doom and foretelling terrible things that will happen in the future and the results of what you did and what it will cause. This feels very biblical, but it also relates to many other mythologies. This was a very common, I guess you could call it a trope in ancient myths. This idea that 
a character messes up and therefore the sorrows and the the terrible things that happen in the future all will tie back to that moment. It's as if they sin and they will be pronounced guilty. And so therefore all the bad things that happen that not only fall on them, but others as well can be related directly back to this moment where they messed up in biblical passages. You have the father and the sons of the father accounting for the sins of the father and that sin echoing down through the ages. This is very much that type of prophecy or doom. And again, I've mentioned mentioned this before doom. When Tolkien uses the word doom, it doesn't mean necessarily the demise of something. It's more of a foretelling of the future. And this passage is long, but it's absolutely worth reading completely for you so so pull up pull up your chairs listen to this now remember that mandos is is probably mandos as far as we can tell chances are is standing up on a rock in front of all of them and they can all hear his voice clearly and mandos doesn't say much but here he says this tears unnumbered ye shall shed And the Valar will fence Valinor against you and shut you out so that not even the echo of your lamentation shall pass over the mountains. On the house of Feanor, the wrath of the Valar lies from the west unto the uttermost east and upon all that will follow them, it shall be laid also. Their oath shall drive them and yet betray them and ever snatch away the very treasure that they have sworn to pursue to evil And yet all things turn that they begin well. And by treason of kin unto kin, the fear of treason shall this come to pass. And I'm going to pause there. There's a lot more. But this clearly denotes that the reason for this sharing of their doom and future and the decision of the Valar is because of the kin slaying. It was one thing to say, Screw you guys, we're out of here, we're going to go pursue pursue Melkor and do what we want. The Valar were okay with that. They weren't happy about it, but they were okay with that. The Noldor have free will. They can do what they want. But when it turns into kinslaying, the murdering of their brethren, that's where they draw the line. Mandos continues, The dispossessed shall they be forever. Ye have spilled the blood of your kindred unrighteously and have stained the land of Ammon. For blood ye shall render blood, and beyond Ammon ye shall dwell in death's shadow. For though Eru appointed to you to die not in Ea, and no sickness may assail you, yet slain ye may be, and slain ye shall be by weapon and by torment and by grief and your houseless spirit shall come then to Mandos there long shall ye abide and yearn for your bodies and find little pity though all whom ye have slain should entreat for you and those that endure in middle earth and come not to Mandos shall grow weary of the world as with a great burden and shall wane and become as shadows of regret before the younger race that cometh after. The Valar have spoken. 
Now, this passage right here explains a lot about the mentality of the elves as we come to learn of them in The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. The the concept that the elves are dealing with a a longing for something else, that the world is reducing in time, and that they are striving and, and want to get back to Valinor, and that some of them can't because of this proclamation of doom, because they were involved, or at least they were connected with the kinslaying. And I'm sure some of you are wondering about Galadriel here. Galadriel herself did not actually pick up a sword and wield it against her kin, but she was among those who showed up late and traveled with the Noldor. So she was guilty by association, as were many of the other Noldor. And so many of this group, once they make it over to Middle-earth, spoilers, they do, but I'm sure you guys realize that, um, are are carrying the burden of this event for ages to come. And this is something that they can't shake. It's something that they each in their own ways will struggle with. And I find one of the most interesting things about this is this concept of losing interest in the world. And I have to wonder is this something that would have happened anyway? And here Mandos is telling them, by the way, you didn't know this about yourselves, but this is going to happen. So sucks to be you guys. <laughs> like, is he rubbing it in or something? Or is this something that wouldn't have happened, but because of the kinslaying it has? And my guess is maybe on the former, because there are many elves still over in Middle Earth. And yet they too have a certain quality about them maybe in that in their long lives the world becomes dull and they're seeking to go home and i'm going to put that in quotes home to valinor even if they've never been there they know that there's something greater for them beyond middle earth this is the passage that encapsulates all of that now you might think that that would have been enough to convince them to turn back. But it wasn't. Or at least it wasn't enough for Feanor and the main host. It was in this moment that Fenarfin turned back and decided to go against what the rest of them were doing. And in echoes of something like the prodigal son, we'll use some other biblical uh, imagery here, Fenarfin and his group return back and they go to the Valar and they receive a pardon from the Valar. Finarfin ends up in this moment ruling the rest of the Noldor in Valinor, never decides to leave. But unfortunately for Finarfin, his sons did not come with him. They were so strongly connected to the sons of Fingolfin, who was continuing to go with Feanor, that they felt the need to continue on. So those who were left in this group decided to keep going and they continued north so far as they almost reached the Helcaraxa. And that area was 
deemed by many of them to be unpassable by the elves. Maybe Melkor and Ungoliant could make it across there, but they were beings well above the abilities of the Noldor. And so there was a debate about what to do next. And what Feanor and his sons decide here, you can see as being almost a second betrayal. But we'll get into that after the break. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, OK, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode. We need to take a break here in order to thank some of our newest patrons who signed up. So a big thank you. And I believe I didn't mention this one last week. Sometimes the dating gets me a little confused, depending on when I recorded the episode and when the new patrons signed up. But uh, Ben J, welcome to Patreon. And if I already said your name last week, then big welcome again. And Natasha B and Nadev L, welcome Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you guys are here. Thank you for joining us. And a big thank you to, oh my, oh my gosh, 17 now, 17 patrons. We've got our own little uh, host going on here. Thank you to all of you for the support. I really do appreciate it. I hope you guys are enjoying the bonus episodes. We have a bonus episode coming up today for this episode where I will be answering some more questions that came in about what was going on and some stuff here. For example, uh, Spencer B wrote and posted on one of the episodes on the Patreon um, that he's got a bunch of questions that uh, it makes me wonder, though, what all the evil things created by Melkor and Sauron in Middle Earth are we supposed to believe that no elves have died up until that point in Middle Earth? Um, what about the orcs? Do they live forever? Do they go to the halls of Mandos? He's got some really cool questions here, and I'm going to address those in the bonus episode today. So if you are a patron, stay tuned for that. If you aren't, you can access that bonus episode and all the other bonus episodes, or even just sign up at a lower tier to get 
ad-free episodes. All of that's on the Patreon, patreon.com slash L-O-T-R, Lorecast. Thank you so much again for the support. This is my full-time job, so this is something that means a lot to me that you guys are willing to support because it helps it helps my life and helps me do, you know, things like pay bills and own a car <laughs> and stuff like that. We also got a new review that came in in the last week. This one is from Nate Borst uh, in the United States on Apple Podcasts and writes, awesome work, five stars. This is an awesome podcast to listen to while I'm at work. I listened to your Fallout Lorecast and flipped over to this one. Good work. Well, thanks, Nate. I appreciate that. And just a reminder that these ratings and reviews really do help. They genuinely do. They help people know what they're getting into when they listen to the podcast. They also help with me ranking higher when people search for things. So even if you just want to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if you have an account, but even if you don't listen to it on those platforms, you can just go look it up if you want to do me a favor and drop a five-star review. And if you do leave a review with some words on Apple Podcasts, I will read it out in the future as a way of saying thank you. So that's what we got for the middle of this episode. I hope you guys are excited about the bonus episode as well. But we have some more terrible details to get into with what happens with Feanor and his sons. So let's get on with that. So in this moment, we have to kind of paint the picture here. They are so far north that the cold is biting and is actually damaging them that they are not ready they've taken off with as little as they have like whatever they brought with them and the north has become very very cold and so there's a debate here about what to do they only have so many ships they can only fit so many of them on the ships and if all of them decide to try to cross the helcaraxa together it's not going to work out at least that's what what is deemed and so there's a debate about this they discussed using the ships and sending over some of them first and then having some bring the ships back in order to ferry the other group across. But nobody wanted to be the ones left behind to have to live in the cold for a period of time that would be considerable to get the ships back and forth. So Feanor makes a call here and he decides to take the ships for himself and his sons and their group. And he leaves behind the rest of the Noldor you can imagine that they're not too happy about this. This includes Galadriel. She is left behind. She does not come with this host across the water. And when they landed, the passage here says, Madros, the eldest of his sons, and on a time the friend of Fingon, ere Mergoth's lies came between, spoke to Feanor, saying, Now what ships and rowers will you spare to return? And whom shall they bear first? Fingon the Valiant? It's as if he was offering, okay, we did take the ships, but maybe we should send some back? Who wants to go back to pick up the rest of the people? But Feanor was not planning to do that. Feanor laughed as one fay, and he cried, None and none. What I have left behind I count now no loss. Needless baggage on the road it has proved. Let those that cursed my name curse me still, and wind their way back to the cages of the Valar. Let the ships burn. Feanor 
is literally burning bridges, or at least in this case, ships here. And they set the beautiful white ships of the Teleri, the ones that they shed blood in order to take on fire. And they leave the rest of the Noldor that have been with them since they left and loyal to Feanor and his vision back on the other coast. And so now they are in Middle-earth. It says here, So in that place, which was called Lasgar, at the outlet of the Firth of Drangist. This is the location they're at. This is like northwestern part of the continent. Ended the fairest vessels that ever sailed the sea in a great burning, bright and terrible. And they were still close enough to the rest of the Noldor that Fingolfin and his group, the group that was left behind, could see the light of the fires red beneath the clouds. And it's at that moment that they knew they were betrayed. They knew what had happened. Now, you might think with all of the terribleness here, with being betrayed by Feanor, left in the cold, without ships, facing the Helcaraxa, this grinding ice, a land that is described like a tundra, but mostly of pillars of ice that are very difficult to cross, that Fingen and his group might have turned back. But Tolkien explains them as being strong and hardy, and still driven to see the lands of Middle-earth, and to claim them for themselves. They still believed in some of what was going on, some of the propaganda that had been pitched to them. And so they continue forward, north, by land, and they cross the Helcaraxa, Fingen, and then Finrod, Galadriel, and the rest of this group. And it wasn't easy. But eventually they make it across. But it takes, it takes a while. Now when Feanor lands on the other side. More tragedy befalls him and his group. So they land on the coast. And they head to an area that's called Mithrim. And they set up a camp. And you have to remember here that Feanor and his group are... They there's like this bloodlust, especially in Feanor. He's made it this far. He's in Beleriand. He's in Middle Earth. And he knows he's getting close to where Melkor is. But in setting up this camp, they are attacked immediately by a host of Melkors, a group of orcs. And the Noldor are strong. These elves, like, like I've described before, come from Valinor. It's like they're super powered by the trees and by being around the Valar. These are considerably powerful elves beyond anything that we see in the films. And they fight back the orcs fairly easily. And it's in this moment that Feanor decides that he's going to turn the battle back on Melkor. And he pushes northeast Towards Angband, Melkor's fortress, the place where the orcs were coming from, and basically follows them in retreat back towards this fortress. And you have to imagine here, Melkor, the spirit of fire, 
is so ready for vengeance. He's so ready for revenge that he leaves the rest of his sons, the rest of the host behind single handedly heading towards this fortress with the belief that he could take on Melkor or whatever lies in his path. And this is one of the most amazing moments that we get in the story yet. The attack at the camp begins what is called the Dagar Nuin Giliath, the battle under stars. And this is another thing I want to make sure that you all picture this entire time is that, again, the sun does not exist yet. They are in the dark, being waylaid by forces of evil. They cross the sea in the dark. They only have the light of the stars above them. And in the dark, alone, Feanor pursues these orcs towards this fortress of Melkor. And he comes across a host of Balrogs. Yes, just like the one that we saw in the Mines of Moria. And in this moment, Feanor, he's not completely by himself. He doesn't have the rest of his family with him, but there are some soldiers there, but they're not counted as many. There's only a few that have been with him at this point. And he and the few soldiers around him are able to fight these Balrogs for at least a while. And then Gothmog, the Lord of the Balrogs, who I mentioned previously on a previous episode and did a bonus episode on where we talked about who Gothmog is and, and a bunch of details about him specifically, this Balrog specifically, and then also the name, which is used in other ways. Gothmog mortally wounds Feanor. He's had too much by this point to stand against Gothmog and the other Balrogs. And he's mortally wounded. And fortunately, by that point, the rest of the party catches up. Feanor's sons and the rest of the host drive back the Balrogs. Imagine this. A group of Balrogs able to be driven back by a host of elves. That's how epic these battles are at this point in the story. But they're too late. Feanor has taken mortal wounds. And so they lay his body down and they gather around him. And you would think in a moment like this, Feanor would be repentant or sorrowful in some way, but he's not. He curses Melkor three times. <laughs> Just, I love this picture of him wounded, laying there, bleeding out, cursing Melkor, Morgoth, the Dark Lord, three times and then doubles down on his vows and tells his sons that they must complete what he has started. And it's in that moment that he passes away. And true to his name, the spirit of fire, his body burns. Mysteriously, it's as if the anger and the energy and the fire within his soul, the same fire that consumed his mother when he was born, turns his body to ash and smoke. And his sons, it is said, can see his spirit rise up out of that and head to the halls of Mandos. And from that moment, Feanor was no more. But the doom of Feanor and the things that he did will echo through the ages. 
they create the backdrop for the rest of the story. And Feanor's sons? Well, they have even more reason to seek vengeance against Melkor. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.